Previously on Mike Cybert Radio, I was joined by my friend Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator madman behind TFU.info, the website, the toy archive, and oh, so much more, <laughs> including being the host of Transformers News and Views and Transformers University podcast, respectively. And we discussed the Ross effect and the ramifications of the flood of toys from Hasbro hitting discount outlet stores like Ross Dress for Less and Ollie's just before the holiday season and what that could mean for the future. Now, in this episode, we discuss the connections between toys and media, and it's not anything like how it was growing up in the 80s. Plus, we do a little year-end existential dreadcast, and Ant gives his almost final analysis on Transformers the Headmasters. All of that and more right now on Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and Happy New Year to you as well. And before we get back into my conversation with Ant from TFU.info, I did want to share a little bit of follow-up on our conversation about the so-called Ross Effect. So we recorded that podcast back on December 26th the uh, at, at deep nighttime, the day after Christmas. And I, at that point, had not set foot into a Ross Dress for Less store since before Christmas, at least like a week before. But the next morning, the literally the morning after we recorded on the 27th, I went to my local Ross. Like I talked about, there's a store on my way to work, uh, halfway between work and home. And I, when I walk in, I, I found a very different scene than what I had been accustomed to for the last several months. Um, all the red tables were gone. Um, all of the extra gondolas of shelves and pegs were all empty. All of the extra toys that were brought in for the holidays had suddenly vanished. Uh, just seemingly just as quickly and randomly as they had when they first appeared back in the fall. Where did they go? Uh, did they get sold through uh, in the in the rush to the holidays? Were they boxed up and sent elsewhere? Um, and what I also noticed is like the the regular toy section at my store looked just as barren and picked over as it had looked any other day, any other given day of the year uh, before the influx of these toys back in October. Uh, really, the only traces of the flood of toys that I saw were those remaining unsold Tomax figures, along with all of the unwanted Transformers bugs and beasts. And I think uh, uh, bugs and beasts has kind of become a pejorative for unwanted figures. Um, I, I don't know how you can clearance out toys that are already on deep discount prices, 
But I do know that at least here locally in Seattle, uh, Ross Dress for Less has no shortage of um, Legacy, Beast War, Sandstorm, uh, Buzzsaw, and Night Prowler. Nobody wants these figures. I didn't even want to buy them for the toy drive. You know, I was picking up like Velocitron figures and other assorted goodies, but I never picked up any of the Bugs and Beasts. Um, th- there's something about seeing them by the dozens on shelves that just kind of had the stink of death on them. And if like nobody's buying them, like I told Aunt, I wanted to make sure that the the ones that I bought and donated were at least cool figures. Um, but like I said, where did these toys go? Um, that might be a mystery for another day, but for now, at least it looks like the Ross effect has ended. Um, don't be sad because it's over. Be happy because it happened. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. So with that little bit of update news out of the way, let's get right back into my conversation with Ant from TFU.info. And something you said earlier, and th- this kind of makes like for um, a really good pivot point when you were talking about the perspective of see the thing by the thing. And one of the topics I, I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit, actually coming from something you had said from something I had said on the on the world live stream was kind of the connection between uh, toy and cartoon uh, content connection. And just to to catch folks up, like, you know, I I had mentioned during that world live stream is like I I'm confused by the state of Hasbro related media, like in terms of like how it relates. And it seems like they they do that with some of their brands. Like you know, when that Dungeons and Dragons movie came out, there was a line of action figures for it, and it's like see the thing by the thing. But it seems like that hasn't been the case with other legacy brands that I care about, those being G.I. Joe and Transformers. And I just noted that this kind of off-the-cuff thing, I think we were talking about the comic books. And I went into like this tirade of like, well, you know, back in my day, you know, the, uh, you know, the became real uh, Grandpa Simpson. And it's like, you know, uh, the point was, uh, g- give me a, give me, give me two B's for a nickel or like that. Uh, you know, the point was I, I wore an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. Um, so I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now to take the ferry cost a nickel. And in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five B's for a quarter. You'd say, now where were we? Oh yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was a style at the time. They didn't have white onions because of the war. The only thing you could get was those big yellow ones. But, like, I I was kind of waxing philosophical about how there was always at least some kind of tie-in between the product and the media. Sometimes things were faster and slower than others, you know, being a monthly comic book through Marvel, you know, it's like they couldn't be spot on, but it was, it was at least close. And, but even then very rarely was a thing of like, Oh, well, that's just a thing you just can't get. Like the only thing I could think of would be the representation of a reflector in, in the 
in the first handful of episodes of the cartoon before they were like, please stop using this character. Nobody can buy him. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. So, but it, it got me to think of like the new Skybound comic is out and it's rotten with just E1 designs. I mean, I, I think I've used evergreen design in the past and have gotten my hand slapped for it. Cause it's like that, that's not what evergreen design is. That that's a different thing entirely. Um, but like, I, I was really kind of fascinated that there's um, no media whatsoever to support G.I. Joe classified series and that the media that's out for Transformers doesn't match the product. So um, I, I think there was something in there that I said that that you wanted to either push back on or, or pick up on. I'm not sure exactly what, but, but in my notes, it was like, um, Anthony wants to ask about something I said about the, about the toy uh, cartoon connection. Yeah. And it goes to a little bit of what I was talking about before. I think, mm. um, you know, because the lines are so splintered, uh, it, it's hard to say Hasbro focuses on one thing. So you look at, at, you know, what it was in the eighties, it was all focused towards one toy line. So like, yeah, you may have had three different continuities all existing, in in the 80s right you had the cartoon continuity you had the comic continuity and you had the back of the box continuity you had it uh, essentially you know one that should be a, a, applicable to both but it wasn't always right but kind of isn't <laughs> yeah like you know and, and, and you know because because they are part of, you know my my personal theory on uh on and i haven't i have i read the earliest i mean i've read some of the draft scripts for transformers the movie but i always feel like ultra magnus was meant to be an upgrade for optimus uh, more so than just somebody who who hung out with Optimus, you know, like it's like they're both city commander Galvatron and Ultra Magnus, and that's meant to disguise who they are, uh, you know, who they were before they were city commander, and the city toys were big that those years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was those were the big big ticket items those years. So my point being is that there was always this focus, um, even then, that look there is there is one product, and all these pieces of media exist to support these products. Um, and now we've got a flip side of we have these pieces of product meant to remind you that the media exists um, because, you know, what? there's I mean, as, and you can see Hasbro's doing this and that they're putting all their old series up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and that is deliberately related to what they're putting out on shelves. Like now they're putting animated up on YouTube. No surprise. They're doing it as they're adding animated into the legacy line, um, you know. A couple of years ago, they were putting Beast Wars in, onto uh, YouTube in time with Kingdom being on YouTube. Like, that is all part of their way of saying, using the toys to actually remind people that, hey, there's media out there to consume. Um, and it's free and you can get it. Like, it's it's very much not see the thing, buy the thing. It's buy the thing and then see the thing. It, it, it almost works backwards in a lot of ways. Um and I feel like that that is also part of Hasbro's pivot to being a licensing licensing out their their product out towards other companies. I'm thinking out loud and piecing mm-hmm. this together as we're talking. So like not all of this might make sense, but um, you know it, it's one of those things like it is very different now. And I think one you know part of my group chat conversations is that there's always a lot of lamenting over the lack of fiction to support these brands because. Mm-hmm especially with legacy and with GI Joe classified, the only fiction that really exists is what they tell you. The backstory they cooked up was during one of those live streams, like not even that text exists anywhere. Like, right. You know, occasionally 
in an Amazon listing. Like when Amazon does their capsule series, you'll get something, you get a, a brief paragraph in there. You know, the Golden Disc Collection is a good example of that. Like that, that copy only exists in the Amazon listing and the press release for those toys. It does not exist like on a Hasbro website. It does not exist. Um, it, it's weird. It's almost as if like the, it's almost backwards fueling in that like TF Wiki uh, for the blessing that it is fuels Hasbro's use of the fiction instead of Hasbro creating fiction to fuel a fan wiki. Like it all seems to run backwards. And I think that's, what's missing. And part of that, part of that is an economics thing. It's called non-economics thing, but like a business thing. Like I get it. Hasbro won't, they need to maximize their packaging to be sold in 27 different languages. So yeah. You're not going to get that text on the back. And if you are, you're going to get a sentence and it's going to get translated to three languages on the back. And then, you know, that's it. Um, I I don't necessarily love that. I like the idea of looking at a toy and learning about who that character is and reading that off the back and being able to make that purchase. I think that, but again, that's a Gen X thing. I don't know. Or it's an early millennial thing. Like me and you were on that cusp, right? So we're like, yeah, yeah. We get, we, we get both sides of it, but not having like a QR and, and the toys have the QR code now, you know, legacy toys do have a QR code mm-hmm. on the instructions that allows you to see a little something about the toy you bought, but it's not a lot. Um, I feel like there, there's a couple of those things where they could do more um, right. and they can expand on that. But again, that's overhead. And I don't know, like, you know, being in radio, you, you understand, we, we know the, the, you know, we learn about active and passive listening, right? Like, you know, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, was it one, if you have one, like your callers are like 1% of your audience or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So you need to then make your audience as toy buyers, follow the thing to read the thing. And so how many people are going to do that and how easy is that to do? Um, so that that's, that's part of the trick there. I feel like if it was already just on the packaging, you would have more engagement, more attachment. You would again, create and create and, um, uh, rebreathe that, that core group of kids yeah. that would then be part of the, the fandom going forward. And I think that's the thing you need. Um, I think the comic helps. I feel like, I say the the Skybound comic's good, and I don't know if it's, but I I, I know it's not for me. Um, in that, like, I enjoy reading it, but I I know I'm not the target audience. Um, it, the sales numbers are through the roof, which is 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 good from what I what I've heard on other podcasts, and I feel like that's that's good, but like that's targeted towards thirteen year olds. Like when you get down to it, right? Like that level of violence, that level of body horror. Um, that exists in that trend. Like that is the perfect book for 13 year old me. Like I would have, I yeah. would have ate that up at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, at 45, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen this before. <laughs> um, I get it. It's cool. But then again, I'm like, well, what 13 year old is going, you know what I really want to do? I want to check out in 1984 Transformers characters in a story. Like what is driving them for that? Like that, yeah. that's, that's my, I, I want to understand that more. And I don't know if Hasbro, I know I don't have a grasp on how that works. So I don't know if Hasbro has a grasp on how that works. And I think that's the thing. Like the paradigm is very different now than it was mm-hmm. when we were kids. So the, the fact that it's missing makes sense, but it's not necessarily been addressed. And the one last thing I, I would make a point on is the, the multi-language instructions, um, multi-language piece of this, like not having it. Uh, I just opened a, my daughter got this thing for Christmas. Um, it was like, um, it, it was a nail drying, uh, like it was like nail polish and it has like a dryer, like this battery operated, you know, blows on her nails. Like she's at the, 
like <laughs> sure. nails long. yeah yeah and yeah. it's got the stamper thing and i can see my finger is stamped we just figured oh. this out um a couple hours ago um <laughs> now the thing is we couldn't figure out the stamper like and it's christmas morning and my daughter's like wanting to play with this thing and she's running around with like glass bottles and nail polish that came with it and i'm like put those down like there is this like emergency kind of rush like five-year-old having this kind of moment of i want to i want i want to do this now i want to do this now plus plus there is glass with, with liquid that stains and and i'm trying to figure out like what does this thing do that i'm holding because like i don't really understand and i look at the instructions and this is not a hasbro product this is um uh spin master made this this thing and the language, it literally is in 27, the instructions are in 27 languages. So I'm looking at it with this tiny, like, one-point font print <laughs> that has, like, one language, then the next language, then the next language, then the next language. And, like, like trying just to figure out this sheet of instructions. And for the life of me, I was like, we're putting this down, we're opening something else. But, like, the immediacy there, I was like, this is the problem with the multi-language approach. Like... I can't, as a parent, look at this quickly and go, okay, kid, let's go. Let's figure out how to do this. Sit down at the table. We're going to do this. Um, you know, it's not like a Lego where I can put it down and go, all right, here are the instructions. Let's go through it. It's just pictures. Right. That That's the thing. So, like, having to have a, a toy line that needs to exist in markets around the world, like, I get the business need for that. I just don't know if that's necessarily a practical need for a company that needs to develop a fan base year over year. Exactly. And um, uh, two, two uh, little bits of, of follow up on that. Um, one, I, I was, I was reminded of some of those uh, Hasbro pulse live streams, you know, both, both for transformers and GI Joe. But like one I was thinking of in particular was, was a, uh, the old uh, Amazon uh, cosmic odyssey collection. Remember that from uh what two years ago, three years ago? It was 2020, that one. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I remember they had like the the marketing person on there and told like this elaborate story of like all of these different two packs. And it's like, oh yeah, and like Ratchet gets caught through this this cosmic wormhole and ends up on Paradron and hangs out with the Paradron medics. And I'm like, where is this fiction? And uh like and you know, it's it's not a line that's that's well remembered. But when Joe Classified series did the the Target exclusive Cobra Island thing, they were like, "Oh yeah," and like you know, these dudes are like infiltrating Cobra Island, and there's like there there was like so much uh, in house fiction that they had created for it. Like, there's a little bit like on the back of the boxes, there's like there's like maps and stuff. But like, I remember they talked about it in the live stream. But to your point. That doesn't exist anywhere. And I, I was, I guess, like, I, I'm a little disappointed that the only G.I. Joe fiction I have now is Larry Hama's continuation of the old Marvel <laughs> Real American Hero thing. I'm like, come on, like, give me something for classified series. Like, um, like even like with Skybound, there I I think. By the time this drops, I think Duke will have come out. Maybe Cobra Commander also. I don't remember. But, um, but like, there's no, like, G.I. Joe book. And it just, it, it, it just strikes me as odd. But I remember there was, like, a solicit for an upcoming issue of 
uh, I'm presuming it was Duke, but it's like there's other team members there. There's like there's like Duke and Scarlet and maybe somebody else. But the the standout for me was um, Stalker, and his character model is the classified series um, Stalker. And I I remember going nuts about. It. I'm like. Finally, finally, some classified series representation in media. It's like, finally, somebody looks like the action figure. So um, I, I was I was particularly um, amused by that, uh, you know, kind of stoked by that. But yeah, it kind of, it, it it's still kind of shades of what we're talking about. It's like, you know, uh, buy the thing and then go see the thing and not necessarily... I mean, I guess I guess we're a long way from Reagan, I suppose, in terms of like <laughs> how media and uh, toys are kind of tied together. Because like I remember I, I talked about this, you know, fairly extensively on the world live stream. And, and there's a huge generational shift there. And it's like kind of like, OK, grandma, let's get you to bed now, because it's just like that notion of wanting the the media and fiction to be tied within uh the toys just seems so foreign to uh to fans of a certain age and it's just very odd it was it was very odd yeah and you think about like you know uh to to one thing to your to your point about the the comic and it actually goes back to what one of the things i've read the duke number one uh had a preview of that and what i could say the interesting thing about that energon universe that skybound is doing is that each book feels like a different flavor of ice cream in a lot of ways like void rivals for what it is even though it's tied in and and some of the transformers stuff feels a little forced um it's a much different story it's a much different type of storytelling that isn't necessarily for the same audience that is you know 13 year olds watching robots wrestle and and um you know beat each other over the head with their dismantled arm um the Joe book that I, the first issue of Duke that I've read so far is also very different feel. And um, the great thing about Skybound is that in, in all these instances, which we didn't see from IDW at the end of Transformers is that it is very competent comic book uh, storytelling. Mm. Um, And it's not to, and that's not to knock the folks who worked on the IDW book, but I felt like there was um, a strong lack of, of editorial input on a lot of those books where Things should have been shifted around. Little bits of, of basic comic book um, know-how were just missing, and um, that they were like there was just it was like death by a thousand cuts. There were it was a it was a competent it was a good story, but not told in the way it should have been told, and mm-hmm. not um, but not accentuated as a comic book in the way it should have been told. Um, one of the oddest things that I can think of right now, like it, it didn't dawn on me until I was talking to someone about this the other day, is that um, we don't see that many toy lines tied in with movies anymore. Um, oh, um, and, and that could go also to movies being a dying industry and a bit of a sinking ship in a lot of ways, or at least the theater going experience being being a sinking ship. Um, but, you know, you think about all the like terrible movies that have had tie in lines or all the. um Movies that were totally not meant for kids getting toy lines like Robocop or Rambo. Rambo. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's there's no way. Like, and then you know, I know we were talking before the show about the creator. I'm like, this would be perfect for a toy line. Like there, there, there is so much here that you could do stuff with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just strange seeing seeing a lack of of developing that odd and this goes back to developing an audience like these movies exist 
at some point you get kids to watch them you're you know or young young adults you know teenagers they're there you feel like there should be a see the thing buy the thing and it doesn't seem yeah. to work the other direction well and and to kind of cap that off a little bit um the last movie toy line i saw was ironically enough that that dungeons and dragons the honor among thieves like they they put out a you know six inch line of uh figures those are at ross now so i don't know what that says about the that particular figure line um or whatever a delightful little movie by the way i i i, I had a blast with it i'm not even a dnd guy but i i found it to be you know, a uh, very approachable and a nice breezy Marvel style adventure. Like it's, it's, it's D and D through kind of like the Marvel prism a little bit, very quippy, very light on its feet. Um, a lot of fun, but um, so I don't know if that necessarily translates to interest in action figures. Um, and, and it becomes a whole lot of like, who is this for? You know, it's like, what, what audience is it, is it trying to get? And maybe that's, that's, um that's part of the problem. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on um, with regards to uh, the comics, and I couldn't let this go because, like, I just very recently uh, listened to your review of uh, Skybound's Transformers number one. It was uh, it was on the news and views feed and not on the TFU uh, uh, feed. And I just I don't know if I wasn't subscribed to news and views or what, but I, I had missed it when you dropped it. And um in getting ready for this, I was just seeing what your most recent episodes were. I was like, what is this? And I listened to it <laughs> and, and I was really kind of surprised how similar our takes were, especially with regards to the comparison to Dreamwave. And, and I loved your vintage review of uh, uh, Dreamwave oh. <laughs> number one, by the way, too. But like that's, and up until I listened to that episode and we're having this conversation now, I felt like I was on weirdo Island by myself with regards to skybound. Like it seems, I mean, like, like triple takeover recently did like a phenomenal episode talking about like, you know, all the things that they're really liking about it and all the things they're connecting with folks, you know, um, our friends over at transmissions are, you know, on it in a big, bad way. They've, they've got like an exclusive cover and they all really seem to be liking. And, and I keep looking figuratively in the mirror. I'm like, what's wrong with me that this is not connecting with me? Cause it's it's not and the thing that i keep landing on is like well but i read dreamwave already you know because like i i remember like one of the things that people were um now obviously these are better comics than those were i'm not trying to say it that way but like the the main thing that that crystallized for me was uh folks's enthusiasm for the violence you know, it's like, you know, Starscream hasn't met a, a, a squishy human that did, he didn't want to just smush. And it's like, oh, man, we, we've we never seen that before. And I'm like, that's like on page two of Dreamwave number one, where like Megatron just smushes a dude in between his hands. And I, I remember that. I mean, that that's kind of like an iconic panel that's like, oh, we're doing something different. You know, this is really, really Zack Snyder's The Transformers here where, you know, ooh, it's grim and gritty and whatever. Because didn't they, didn't they nuke San Francisco in the Dreamwave books? Surely did. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I, it's, a hard, it's hard to surpass that level of violence. True. But like, you know, it, it was just kind of like things I've seen before, like themes that I I've seen before. And even like, you know, people keep pointing out to like, Oh, you know, Optimus got really sad when he was really, uh, uh, 
clumsy and smushed a deer. And I'm like, first of all, that if if Optimus actually stepped on that deer, he wouldn't be able to like pick it up. It would just be paste. But that that's just that's just arguing about semantics. But it's like, I mean, I I appreciate that kind of characterization. But it's like, I've seen that stuff before, and it's like, I don't know. It's just like, I I think you saying that it's for thirteen year olds really crystallized what my issue is with with because like. I like some of the other work that Daniel Warren Johnson has done. He he did a um he did a Wonder Woman book um a year or so ago that that's phenomenal. And it's like if you like Transformers, just you know, or or that that um comic, um I don't have it in front of me, but like um it's basically that, but with Wonder Woman in the post-apocalypse. Like she's like suplexing monsters and stuff. It's 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 pretty cool, but it's that same style of dynamic action and like the giant, you know, uh sound effect lettering text and all that other stuff. Um, as well as like the uh, uh wrestling comic he's I think he won an Eisner for that too, if I'm not mistaken. But but anyway, it's like for for whatever reason, up until now, I felt like I was on Weirdo Island by myself. It's like I, am I the only person in the fandom that 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 is that this isn't resonating with? What's wrong with me now? Now I feel a little less lonely. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know it's funny the the whole violence thing. I think that it, you know, as you're talking about it, it makes me think because I, I, you know, that Dreamwave Dreamwave stuff came out around a time where there was a bit of an '80s revival in comics, yep. and you know, it's there was uh, there was a Masters of the Universe book at the time that Kirkman wrote um that was really good um and it was yeah. like basically like origins of like all the uh the villains and stuff and it felt like it fit with the 2003 cartoon um but it wasn't terribly violent then there was also a thundercats book out at the time um that did some really cringy stuff and was also yeah. incredibly violent um and it felt like it didn't fit and then i'm thinking also there was a masters of the universe comic later on that also was very violent where you know, you think you want to see it, but when He-Man's sword draws blood from someone, you're like, I I don't know if I wanted that. Like, you thought you wanted it, but, like, it didn't necessarily, it doesn't fit, like, it's a stylistic clash, but it's it's almost like when you, when you watch, when you see someone you know from TV, from broadcast TV, um, and you only know them from that, like, and then you see them in a movie, um, for example, Michael J. Fox, right? Sure. Um, it's jarring when you see him on fa- like when you grew up watching him on Family Ties, say, or even you know, for our our people in their thirties, Spin City, uh, you know. <laughs> um, and then seeing Back to the Future, if you have, if you saw that after you saw him on TV, right, and hearing him curse, right, right. it's a weird kind of you don't like you know they do it, <laughs> like, like, but it's one of those things. It's like your brain has to kind of figure that out and i feel like some people really want that thing with with their comics where like oh this thing shouldn't be violent let's make it violent right mm-hmm. like like we're we're probably you know 15 years away from a grim dark bluey comic book uh sure. and, and it's gonna God. be <laughs> like, it's gonna be weird um yeah like those are the things where I'm like, I it's one of those things like transform. People think it works better with transformers, and maybe it does because, uh, um, you know, it, they're robots, so you can get into that body horror kind of thing and and, and play with the definitions of life and death a, a little little easier than you can with other properties. 
uh, in a way that like you can only really do in like Marvel with mutants, uh, because mm-hmm. you know people die and come back all the time in Marvel, and and this is kind of the same thing with Transformers because they're robots. Like you can kind of find ways to reactivate them, um, you know. But I think about when I was a kid reading the Marvel books, and I was, I was like, people die in these things, and like you even think about like Transformers the movie. It's that shuttle sequence, right? That that really hits home for everybody. Where absolutely, where you know, there's that the the you know, and then Optimus's death. Like, there's a slaughter at the beginning of that film um, that is ultimately violent, but it's not graphic. And I think that's the other thing is you're talking about graphic violence versus like violent and um, with consequences. So like, you know, it, it's not violence. You know, the characters die, and there are consequences. You know. The, their death is a consequence of, of the violence it's not the violence is over the top and oh yeah they also happen to die um mm-hmm. and i think that or they didn't die <laughs> and 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 so i think there there's you know waivers waves of where this fits and i feel like yeah the dreamwave book i i, I didn't feel like it was i people i think were worried that it was going to be the sorry the skybound book people were worried that it was going to be very much like dreamwave and in a lot of ways, there's a lot of things with the marketing, the multiple covers, the the very image comics way of approaching things that is very much um, what Dreamwave was trying to emulate, right? Um, but there is also a, a, you know, having Kirkman's influence, and I, and I, and I, I make no secret I am a fan of Kirkman's work for the most part. Yeah. Now, I haven't read everything he's done, but I read the whole run of Walking Dead, I've read the whole run of Invincible, and for the most part, I've enjoyed it, and there, 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 there's flaws in them. I mean, I'm not like a super fan where I'm like, they, he's done nothing wrong. Like, there's none right. of that. Like, but like, it, it, he's he's certainly done this in, to his own, you know, benefit before with his own work, and seeing him take Transformers and 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 have and hire the people to create a universe around it. I think, you know, Transformers and G.I. Joe and then whatever else they pull into this are in good hands. So I think yeah. that that is that is the thing. Like, I'm not worried about it, like the way um, people were when IDW started because Dreamwave ended so badly and went so badly from a story perspective and from a fandom perspective. And Dreamwave had some good books uh, once they started bringing Simon Furman in, <laughs> into the mix. Yeah. But, um, but for the most part, like people were worried that we were getting Pat Lee 2.0. And I think that's uh, that's where that book varies. And yeah, look, <clears throat> they know their target market. It's thirteen year olds. Like you know, it's it's like quoting Mal, what's the line of Mall Rats? It's it's the overweight and the underweight that are you know. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, like he like they know their market, and uh, I think they'll uh, they'll be fine. I think the book is you know it feels like at least has a plan. Um, and even now, like as. Some books are taking a hiatus, other books are starting up. And I think that it's 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 all a really good, smart approach. And I, I don't think it'll be I think you're gonna see Transformers with Skybound for a long time. Um the good thing is I don't think, you know, after probably I know Daniel Warren Johnson is signed on, but I think through the I, I thought it was through six issues, but I heard he's continuing on as the writer, but not the artist. So okay. it's gonna be interesting to see how uh how long he stays. But it's not like he's gonna stay forever. I, I mean, you know, artists and writers tend to to switch out every few years. So we'll see how right. we'll see how it goes. You know, you never know. They might might decide to bring James Roberts back at some point or, or dip into the I mean, there's no there's no you know lack of people they can reach out to to write a Transformers comic and, and see where yeah. where we could go. The Transformers will return after these messages. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more. 
Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucalli, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan, we'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite, Robots in Disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out! We now return to the Transformers. Sometimes I try to do things and it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. They're like... I try hard to do it, and I like take my time, but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard, but it just doesn't work out. And everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like I need time to figure these things out. There's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? Maybe get away, and like, maybe you should talk about it, you'll feel a lot better. And I go, no, it's okay, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, you know? I'm just working on myself. They go, well, you know, if you want to talk about it, I'll be here, you know? And you'll probably feel a lot better if you talk about it. Um, so, yeah, so, go, you know, no, kind, of, kind of switching gears a bit. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned a number of times that before that, you know, uh, me and Ant have this uh, th- this text thread that, you know, I, I affectionately call the uh, Existential Dreadcast. And um, recently, I, I was posed two questions out of the blue randomly even and uh so ant asked me two questions he's like is social media dead and is podcasting dead and i i thought about because like you know behind the scenes he and i talk a lot about um kind of the well the existential dread of being a content creator and being a creating content in a very niche uh, market, you know, I, I would say doing Transformers podcasting is like a niche within a niche almost. Now, granted, that's what kind of podcasting is for, but I think that's what kind of sparks up some of these conversations about like, well, where do we fit in this space? You know, is this space still relevant? Is this space still viable? And then also looking at it through the kaleidoscope of social media, you know, it's, um, it's it's not without challenge doing some of the stuff that we do. And I, I, I say that reluctantly and carefully with a phrasing because I, I'm always leery of coming off like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, podca- podcasting is hard. Boo-hoo-hoo, Twitter is hard or whatever. But like, I mean, because like for folks like us, it, it, it's, it's a hobby. But at what point does the hobby become not fun anymore? And I think that's become some of the themes of some of our texts. So I thought since we were talking about, you know, Ross and comic books and all this other stuff, it's like, well, let's, let's kind of litigate some of this uh, content creator existential dread because, you know, um, a lot of folks that listen to both of our shows are, well, quite frankly, our, our peers and are probably uh, going through some of the same stuff, whether they're talking about it or not. And um, 
one one of the the side themes I like to do with with Mike Cybert Radio is try to normalize having um, what what could be a potentially difficult conversation. So that that's a very long way of saying um, what a. Uh, What's been on your mind lately uh, with, with regards to uh, content creation and why, why did you ask me those random questions? Well, I, I think it, when it, it boils down to um, connecting, right? It's connecting mm. to your audience. And both of those things, the, the podcast, the social media, ultimately you want to, you want, you know, we're, we're sharing our thoughts and, and, you know, our views on things um, and then putting them out into the world. And ultimately you just want to be, you want to know you've been heard. Right. And that boils down, like it goes back to the the thing I said earlier about, uh, about 1% of your caller, like your radio show, you know, 1% of your yeah. callers are people that listen and you multiply that. Like, um, I don't know when and where I'm connecting. Like I can look at download numbers. It doesn't mean people listen. I can look at listen numbers to some extent. Um, but there, and then social media posts, you have your likes, your retweets, like you have some indicators to whether yeah. or not you've connected to people, but you don't necessarily know if it's out there. And I think there are two separate conversations, the social media or podcasts. And I, before I, before I launch into either, I guess, which, which way do you want to go? Choose your own adventure. <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about podcasting because yeah. I, I, th I think that resonates with me a little more than the, than the social media stuff. And I agree. And I think the social media is, um, it's, it, it's to support the podcasting in a lot of ways. Um, Quite so. Um, so for me, podcasting, you know, as a listener, like uh, ultimately as, as even though I'm a podcaster, I'm probably a listener first, right? I listen, I listen to far more podcasts than I make. Um, I've noticed a shift away um, just in general of, of people doing them. Uh, I, I feel like the people I followed early on, the people that, that I, and these are, these are big podcasts, celebrity podcasts or whatever. Um, I feel like they're, they're slowly petering out or, or not yeah. creating content. Like, you know, I, you know, we, we bonded over Kevin Smith. I feel like Kevin Smith was my entryway into, into podcasting in a lot of ways. Um, he rarely does, you know, Hollywood Babylon is not nearly on as much as it, was if if at all maybe a handful of times a year versus being weekly you used to do five podcasts a week when you get down to it right you um you know i i used to love education that that's now behind a paywall uh fat man beyond uh, is is probably his most frequent podcast but yeah. even then it's it's usually hinged around a, a big you know superhero film or tv series coming out yeah um you know, the, there are comedians that I follow. You know, I, I really got into Chris Hardwick and Nerdist. I feel like, you know, Hardwick, you know, he had his his troubles, but then he came back. He sold off Nerdist. He did ID10T. That doesn't necessarily, he doesn't update that it, uh, nearly as often. Um, if I, I don't think he's put something up in the last year or so. Um, you know, from that, I found TJ Miller, who's a comedian. I like his podcast. They, him and his co-host are, are uh, when they're when they're rolling. It's every other week, and and like wow. now it's not even that. Um, I feel, and then like music podcasts that I listen to, um, you know, because you know me, I'm big metalhead. So like, yeah, yeah. I was listening to, um, you know, uh, Jamie Josta, the the lead singer of Hatebreed, and and kind of metal mogul that he is. Um, he, he did a, he had a podcast that was regular and he, he used to shift episodes that were more than I think 30 days or 90 days old behind a paywall, but like he doesn't post anymore either. So like, and then like Chris Jericho, who had a, a music podcast, he's kind of gone off the deep end into like, uh, you know, like it'd be a mix of music and wrestling or like you'd alternate weeks or every couple of weeks it'd be one or the other. Um, 
he's now just doing like like conspiracy theory stuff and like ufo like mm. art bell kind of stuff like sure um, and like oh yeah you know he had I, I gave up on him when he had he had a flat earther on and i was like nope done <laughs> like yeah. i'm like i can get into the ufo thing it's kind of quirky and funny but like the, the once you get into flat earth like you've lost me um like there's this too much thing there are too many things that support round earth that like <laughs> yes we, look uh, we we don't need I, I it's one thing to have fun with a conspiracy theory about things we don't understand there are things we understand the earth it's round <laughs> like there's no, no two ways about it yeah um and i always like well you want to prove it okay helicopters send a helicopter straight up you should see the entire planet like <laughs> <it's> really <laughs> like there should be this you should be able to see everything yeah <laughs> and and so long story short um yeah. a lot of the people who were very prolific in the space um have seemed to have dialed back uh, a lot uh, or have left the space entirely um and then you know same thing with um so, you know podcasts that i listen to within the transformers community um i feel some of them have left or not come back um people you know either post you know unlock and i'm just as much guilty of it of being an infrequent poster but sure. other than other than say radio free cybertron and transmissions there are not a lot of and uh, you know and probably triple takeover doing bi-weekly um right. th there's not a lot of content that is generated regularly within transformers fan I mean, even then like radio free cybertron used to do five shows a week like they used to have some of their other shows post once a week um so there, there's a lot of less content out there and i wonder i'm like is it because um the podcast bubble in a lot of ways has burst um yeah. and that you know the time versus money versus like you know and when you get into podcasting you're yes you're doing it because you want to be heard but yes it is also a side hustle you do want to at least try to find a way to pay off your expenses at least for me and transformers where i'm like i'm supporting sure. you doing it to support my website to you know also you know bring attention to that like there are there are reasons to do it and there's reasons i do it just for me that i enjoy doing it that i like sharing knowledge that i like this exploration i'm on with transformers university um mm -hmm. this is why i like doing that show more than news and views because i feel like news and views is too um it, it's too disposable it's something that you'll you'll mm. listen to at the time and then you know a year from now it's kind of yeah it's just there and no no one's going to listen to it whereas university someone can go all the way back to episode one and find their way forward um so yeah i find it like there are not a lot of big name podcasts now that i listen to regularly right. um or that are, are joining the uh the podcasting world um you know the 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 celeb quote-unquote celebrity podcasts i listen to now are mainly uh conan o'brien if he has someone i'm interested in hearing from on and the only other one i listen to regularly and, and this is goes to show like how um how quiet the space has been i downloaded probably during covid i probably downloaded 50 or 60 episodes of the show and i caught up <laughs> and right um and the thing is i didn't download every episode i downloaded the ones that were interesting to me but now i'm caught up and now i just listen every two weeks and they come out and that is um omnibus which is uh ken jennings podcast oh um, yeah which yeah. kind of fills the edumacation it's same kind of style of podcast it's you know silly you know, like kind of uh you know cocktail party knowledge that you can drop on people and um you know they they follow a topic and then follow it from like the really weird beginnings to like where it ends up so it, it's it's a good show for that um but I, i'd say like there you know there's not a lot of um 
I feel like there's not necessarily more, there's certainly not more activity in the space. And I wonder if there are less people listening to podcasts, especially post COVID where people are now getting back to their routine, maybe not necessarily traveling or traveling to work, but not necessarily listening to podcasts anymore. Right. Yeah. They might be getting back to just listening to the old radio. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a time that, I mean, I, I'm kind of like blade the Daywalker. I got, I got feats in both worlds. It's like, I work professionally at a radio station, but I also podcast as a hobby for fun. So it's like I kind of get to see both sides of it in that, like, you know, there was a time where it looked like podcasts were going to kill radio, which nobody in radio ever believed uh, because you're still in your car. And regardless of what kind of infotainment system you have, regardless of your subscriptions or whatever, you'll always have the radio. And what do you turn to when you've gone through all of your, your uh, Sirius XM presets and you're bored with all those, you go to the radio. Now you might not listen to radio as much as you used to, but it's still there, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. And likewise, I, 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 I have very similar thoughts uh, to yours as well. I feel like, you know, you had mentioned earlier that that Spotify laid off, you know, a, a bunch of folks and um, radio uh, companies have, and media companies uh, have laid off a bunch of folks. Um, a bunch of folks got laid off where I work. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is a very real thing. Um, I feel like, big celebrity podcast, or I, I call it a pejoratively big podcast. I, I think that's dead um, because I think, I think podcasting at this point through the 2023, 2024 lens is a unfairly categorized as a COVID era relic, much like zoom meetings, that kind of thing. Like, you know, we're, we're using a stream yard here for fun to, you know, connect on, on camera and all that. But like in terms of like, you know, Zoom culture as COVID culture, that's kind of it's it's normalized, but it's it's as passe as it is is normalized. But um, if I may, let me go through my my notes here, because like I, I I put a little bit of thought into into a response. But I I think rather than trying to get my feet back under me and try to figure out what I said, I'm just going to read you what I wrote and read uh, read to the audience. Um, let's see. As for podcasts, the uh, bubble has definitely burst with Spotify and other would-be publishers laying off staff by the hundreds. Big podcast is a pandemic era relic. Yeah, see, I already had it right there in front of me. Uh, that said, I still believe in the medium as a way to connect with fans, albeit a much smaller group than a few years ago. And I go on to talk about when we launched Two Mics, Two Furious, we really had no expectation of connecting with anyone. We just wanted to do the show for ourselves. Uh, however, I'm genuinely grateful for the small, passionate fan group we've cultivated over the last year. I've never really had a large social media presence or a particularly big audience with Mike Cybert Radio. Uh, so seeing folks being uh, receptive to two mics have been uh, terrific. However, I say in all caps, I can't shake the feeling of jealousy and frustration of the lopsided popularity of YouTube compared uh, to podcasts, especially in this fandom, meaning Transformers fandom. I've literally seen it for myself at TFCon. The road to popularity seems to run through YouTube. 
Uh, and beyond that, the key to being viral is short form content like real stories and other uh, quick video bits. And that is absolutely a true story. It's like I, I see podcasters literally have people mobbing i mean not mobbing but like rolling up to them oh hey man oh big fan of the channel oh man so good to be a big fan of the channel meanwhile for that brief moment that that brian kilby was at tfcon orlando i wonder if anybody rolled up to him if anybody knew who he was yeah yeah uh you know i've gotten that once at a convention uh yeah. new york comic-con uh, we were covering that. I was with I was with Benny and and a couple of of other folks who cover these things regularly, and it was the um, it was the one where they brought out like Triptychon's leg, uh, or no, I'm sorry, <laughs> not Triptychon. It was um, the wings for uh, Titan class Predaking. Oh, and, okay, sure. And so like they had that on stage, and they were doing some other stuff on that stage, and it ended. And I, I was walking out with Ben, and we we're talking, and I just hear someone go, uh, "Hey, Aunt, love the show." And I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm like, how did you know it was me? They're like, oh, I recognized your voice. And I was like, okay, oh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, it's like I've had folks recognize me, but it's like, but it's it, it's in a different class because it's like, are you Mike Seibert? I'm like, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. You know, that kind of thing. That's different than the, oh, hey, man, I love your channel. Let me, let me, let me worship you, oh, oh, oh YouTube person whatever um i i i harbor a fair amount of i i i can't call it anything other than jealousy because there there is a um uh, at risk of repeating myself a a lopsided degree of popularity yeah um yeah. no so yeah i think so you know it's funny because I think as podcasters, and maybe it's a generational thing too, because you and I are kind of on the the older mm -hmm. side of of Transformers fandom. Um, I can't bring myself to be the "Hey, look at me" person. Like, mm. and here's the thing: like, I like doing podcasts. I do video for a living. Like, like my videos. Like, I watch YouTube videos, and I point out. I'm like, oh, I'm like people watch. Like, I go, I watch things with editing mistakes, and I'm like, that's wrong, that's wrong. Like, you could have done that different. Like, not not talking about Transformers videos, just videos in general, or just in general, and, yeah. and like really high traffic channels. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm like, why am I not doing this? Oh yeah, because I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the the hey look at me person. I don't want to be the person who's trying to get to things first. And I think those are the two. And this goes back to the social media conversation too, right? Like ultimately, when you get down to YouTube as a a platform, right? Um, it's interesting because it is a social media platform, mm -hmm. and um, it is also the number two search engine in the world. Um, so after Google, it's YouTube. Uh, and so, and, and yes, they're both Google products. But when you think about ways sure. people search after, if if they're searching for something that they want in text, they're searching on, on, on Google, but if they're searching on how to do something, they're going on YouTube. Uh, so I feel like there, there's a social media component and there's a component of that need for attention, um, mm -hmm. that, some people have and some people don't and you know the, i think and the thing is it's not to say all youtubers have that drive or have that persona um i think there are people that do the youtube stuff very well within the transformers community that aren't necessarily that way um chris mcfeely uh comes to mind or um 
um uh, few comes to mind in a lot of ways sure. like they do it you know they look there there's an element of it to what they do because it has they have to have that for what they do but i don't think they do it in a way that's obnoxious or um off-putting uh, where other some other youtubers are very so self self-absorbed into what they're they're doing uh that they don't necessarily feel genuine uh they don't they they feel like and it comes across on screen um yeah yeah so like i don't ever want to be that person and so that that that's why like for me like this part of me that wants to do the youtube thing and then again it, it's where do you draw the line between hobby and side hustle uh sure. you know and and when does the hobby become the side hustle and when does it stop being fun <laughs> you know yeah and so th there there are a lot of things to balance out there um Whereas doing a podcast, for the most part, you, know, you were talking about saying, oh, boohoo, podcasting hard. Hell no. Podcasting is easy. Uh, <laughs> you, you get a mic, you talk, you record, yeah. you you upload. Like there, yeah. Ultimately, when you get to the basics of podcasting, it's yeah. easy. That's um, true. You know, it's, it's connecting that's hard. <laughs> it's connecting to your audience that's hard. Right. Um, so... You know, cultivating that, cultivating the audience—that is something that goes for podcasting, for YouTube, for for um, social media. That's kind of universal. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's funny because there are certain podcasters, and, and and I won't name names here, but there are certain podcasters who connect very well with their audience on YouTube in in that way, where I feel like they're not obnoxious, they're not um, necessarily you know uh, creating a persona that is is abrasive in a way. Um, yeah. But aren't necessarily good at the social media side of it. Uh, where that they might be good at the YouTube social media side of it, but on Twitter, they're uh, you know they they post they they might not come across the same way in the written mm -hmm. uh, aspect or in the uh, kind of you know in the kind of fun aspect. I mean, I mean, not everyone can be six zero where you're like great at all of it. Like, right? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, he is like the Michael Jordan. I feel right now of of our you know this realm of of podcast he does the photos he does the social his social media is really good um i haven't watched his youtube channel but i know enough of him on a podcast to know that it's not going to be that different uh plus right. the good visuals so like i can't i can't imagine you know he's he's he doesn't have an audience on youtube um so yeah i was just uh, it, it's it's one of those weird places that i'm at where like part of me knows there's you know for the podcasting side of it to work or like I've always been podcast first, video second. Right. And there's part right. of it where I'm like, I, I should probably transition to video first and take the audio from the video as the podcast. Um, I just don't know if I want like for me being a video person by trade, <laughs> by yeah. professional trade, yeah. I put myself to a I'm gonna hold myself to a much higher standard than than someone who's like, oh, I made a video and it's got a graphic on it. We're good. Uh, let's post it on YouTube. Like even you here, you have a lot going on in the video mm -hmm. that we're doing here. I mean, we have a two box. We have we have a graphic. We have our lowers. Like like this is even yeah. more than a lot of YouTubers do. And right. and so like like for me, I knew I would I would want to like do it well. I'd want to edit it well. I would want to and like I just know like the time, <laughs> the time commitment. Right. First, yeah. doing an audio podcast where I can sit and record my voice for a half hour, sit and edit it for a half hour, and post it and be done with it in an hour hour and a half at tops like that's you know a lot easier in a lot of ways and sometimes it's just like well i want to get my thoughts out there and i want it to be easy and it's again balancing the do i want to be heard and connect or do i want it to be easy and just get it out yeah 
Yeah. Well, and and I, I think I think for me, like I, I I've I've got a couple handful of uh, uh, different things. Also, I mean, like I said, it's the it's the jealousy. I and and not not to relitigate that, but like for example, there is a uh, incredibly popular um, uh, movie reviewer uh, on YouTube uh, who lives here in Seattle who goes to the same press screenings I do, and that dude in person is exactly the same way he is on YouTube. And it is exhausting. The dude sits in like the middle of the press row with, with his, with his jacket and his hair and all that. And it's just, it's very obnoxious. And I don't care for his videos because I don't think he really says anything it's a lot of this it's a lot of this which you can't really see me throwing my hands on a podcast but it's like he's he's like he's part of the rhythm nation or janet jackson's rhythm nation or he's he's like you know madonna's vogue or something like that lots of hands lots of hands very uh very utubey and this this particular um uh person has like i don't know like a couple million subscribers and like um because we go to the same screenings, sometimes our stuff will come out at the same time. I, I will see he uh, he does a uh, review of Godzilla minus one and it has 790,000 views. I look at my review of Godzilla minus one, six listens. And it's like <laughs> that, that kind of gets to me after a while. And it's, and I, I think sometimes I have, I don't, I don't know how to call this. It's like jealousy by proxy because like I look at folks in our space, like Transformers YouTubers, and I look at those numbers and I'll be like, him? Really? And like, you know, and, and just comparison, it's like, I'm like, meanwhile, uh, my buddy Ant over on TFU.info did the same content better it just happens to be in spoken word content instead of like um a, a flashy video and so i i run into that with like people i like you know what i mean it's like you know, jealousy by proxy it's like you know why him and not you why him and not me you know that kind of thing and that's and that's just poisonous i mean that that is a that is a a toxic attitude to try to get out from underneath and my approach to combat that is to just kind of focus on doing my own thing because the thing that i have learned and and it's taken me a lot of years to get over the insecurity of it is that people like me for me you know it's like you know all of my rambling esoteric can't get to the point nonsense people seem to like that and at this point, I can't say anything bad about that because now I'm uh, insulting someone else's taste. You know, so it's like, because like I, I've talked about like some of the the struggles that I've run into about like, oh, well, maybe I do ramble too much, you know, and all that other stuff. But I'm like, but I keep getting positive feedback from my friends. So I guess I'll just keep continuing to do what I'm doing because apparently the people that like it, like it. So um, and I think maybe there's there's a mid-age stubbornness that goes with that as well. Like, you know, eh, I'm 45 years old. I'm pretty much set in my ways. Th this is how it is. But I something I mentioned when I when I wrote you back was 
the launch of Two Mics, Two Furious. Like, I had no idea what the response was going to be. And I didn't even really think think about it because it was just, it was something that me and Michael Andrews wanted to do. You know, I, I wanted the challenge of having a more focused subject, uh, evergreen style podcast. And we had wanted to do something together. And even now, like, I, uh, well, let, let me, let me bring up my, uh, um, my podcast hosting platform and let me see what my numbers are for, uh, two mics, two furious. So we, uh, we launched back in February and on the all time downloads for, uh, we have, uh, 17 episodes up, I think, um, 1,633 and that's, uh, that's downloads and listens. Uh, across a year it's about 100 per episode yeah about 100 per episode and and that's pretty great i mean and and at this point two mics two furious uh outpaces mike cyber radio three to one like i mean there 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 will probably be a dozen people that listens to this episode sorry buddy i was hoping (laughs) hoping to give you some more exposure bucks but uh we gotta get you on two mics instead because that's that's apparently where people are hanging out but but refracting it through the YouTube kaleidoscope, I, on a whim, I set up the, this uh, um, headliner service that automatically, you put in your RSS feed and it automatically posts your episodes to YouTube just as like static image um, videos. So there's no video, but like to your point of YouTube being a, a robust search engine, a half dozen people um, comment on the YouTube videos of the podcast. I don't know if that's where they're listening or if they're watching or have it on at work. Um, But that seems to be where our listener community is because like every episode we drop, there's like two or three or four people that will like make comments about the episode on there. And we're not seeing that on Twitter. We're not seeing that on Instagram. We're not seeing that on Facebook. It's on YouTube of all things. Are you seeing and, the download numbers there though? So, like, are your are your plays com- comparable to what your podcast downloads are? Or like, you know, where's what's no. the number difference there? Uh, let me take a look. See here. Um, let me get into my algorithms here as we're as we're doing a live legislation. Well, while you're at it, uh, yeah, make sure you get into this too when you uh, rise when of you, the safeguard. What yeah. is that? So this is a packing comic that came okay. with the toys. Um I don't remember if it fits it should fit within the show continuity. Okay. But, um it's one of the few animated comics uh that exist. Uh might be worth doing like a, a special side episode for. Gotcha. I I will keep that in mind. So I'm looking at the views for uh, the Two Mics Two Furious videos and there isn't a well no, I'm sorry. There's there there isn't a single one over 50. And there's there's one over 30. So I've got 26, 17, 15, 14, 17, 24, 18, 19, 27, 9. Oh, my gosh. Only nine people listen to the Soundwave episode on YouTube. Nobody seems to care about Soundwave. Whatever. Okay, um, but still, even at, even if you're averaging twenty, so that uh, so yeah. that takes you that's twenty percent of your that's twenty percent of your audience also on YouTube. So I mean, yeah. that's one one out of every five listens on YouTube. So it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not, not bad. Not bad in relation to to what you're doing. So, um, 
actually those numbers are yeah those numbers are i mean those numbers are pretty good for what the, you know what is a very niche topic yeah well yeah if, uh, of a a recap of a cartoon show from 15 years ago uh, as opposed to one from 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well there's that that that's that's fair uh but but my point being is like you know i'm i'm blown away by the by the response that we've got because it's like it's people that we don't know i mean it's like and and not to devalue the feedback we get from friends like like you've been incredibly complimentary of it you know oh man i you know i'm really digging digging two mics or you know some some of my you know friends from apdc or whatever it's like but when it's like strangers that's weird i i'm not used to that and for a long time, that was the dragon I was kind of chasing with uh, with Mike Seibert Radio was like, yeah, I yeah, it's cool that I've made all these friends like, you know, you know, every time I drop an episode, my buddy aunt sends me a message. Oh, hey, I really like the episode. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but but I want some of that strange. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like forgetting, you know, losing perspective and being grateful and all that stuff, losing perspective. It's like, wait a sec. These are people that I've made friends with in this space. So without the podcast, we're not friends to have them compliment on the, on the podcast. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a weird cycle. It's so a weird you, so cycle. what you're saying is I need to create a dummy account and send you some direct messages. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I, uh, I, I really like your episode or something like that. And it's like, but yeah, no. And it, it's, it, it's been very satisfying. Um, the amount of uh, feedback that we've gotten. So it it in a weird way kind of makes me encouraged about the viability of uh, of podcasting. But conversely, though, I would imagine. Let me see if I could tie this all together before before we wrap up. I feel like if this was video, like like pure video, like like something like this, and I'm you know putting in clips and you know really really Christmas feeling it up. Um, I think it, it, <laughs> Sorry, it would, that phrase it, just got me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I just uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna put that. What up. happens when you get to second base with Chris McFeely? It's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so good. But but I feel like if if this was a quote unquote video podcast, which that that term irks me <laughs> because it's either it's a video or it's a podcast, but. I digress, but um, but I feel like if I did it in a different medium, it probably would take off, and maybe I would, you know, get like that 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 viral stuff that I keep thinking I want to chase. But I don't know. Um, and, and and the flip side of it also, and something you and I have talked about is I'm I'm still super reluctant to monetize. Like I I don't I don't know if I want to do like like a Patreon or or whatever because it's like. Something my wife tells me, it's like, well, as soon as you start asking for money from folks, now you work for the audience. Do you really want to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so um, just in terms of the category of existential dread, it's like, so I get where you're coming from. Like, you know, you want to cover your hard costs and, um, you know, keep the website going. Whereas I, I don't, it, it's so weird. It's like, I'm like, I want to, I want to monetize. And then I'm like, but why? So I can have money. Well, am I doing this for money? You know, it's like, so even, even your premise of doing it as hobby slash side hustle is still kind of weirdly foreign to me. Cause like, I'm, 
pure hobby. And I think once I shift my philosophy towards side hustle, then I start approaching things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I start feeling guilty about not putting out content as often, or maybe maybe it starts changing my mentality of uh, how I look at things. And so, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, no, I can tell you, I I know that guilt <laughs> because I do have a Patreon, right? And so right. I have people who I'm like, uh, I I know, hey, you're paying me money month to month for content, um, and you know, I, I have to make sure either I deliver or at least connect. Um, I think the flip side of that, and this is the uh, the thing that goes to the social media side, right? Uh, yeah. With the changes over at Twitter, uh, I think it's really exposed. And then just even how um, some of the other platforms work like Facebook and and the, you know, Facebook for me, I, I, I every time I go onto it, I'm like, it's showing me less and less of things I wanna see and more of what it wants me to see. And same with, with, with Twitter in its current state. Um, Knowing that it's like I'm at best, at best, I'm connecting to 10% of my audience of, of the people that follow me, right? Like I, I, I had a post, I think this year, the I had a post a couple of weeks ago when they announced Peter Cullen was getting a Lifetime Emmy. Um, I posted something about that. And I think that's the first one. I think I had a thousand likes on that, which is like very rare. I think I've gotten over a thousand likes maybe three times in the last 12 years I've been on Twitter. Um it's just one that that took and for some reason took and people kept reposting it and I'm still getting likes on it every so often. Um, but like generally speaking, I, I have almost 6,000 followers. So right. like knowing like even at for that, that is that is 20%, not even 20% of my audience, like um, knowing I can't connect even when I'm doing well to what is over 80% of my audience. Um makes me wonder if participating on social media in the way I do, and especially on Twitter, um, if that is not necessarily, um, uh, I don't want to call it a waste of time, but that maybe Mm. my efforts are meant to go somewhere else where at least I know I'm connecting to the audience. And it's funny you bring up Patreon because I've been toying with this idea of, well, maybe all this sort of con this kind of content, this sharing of me, because ultimately, right. You know, you got to this before is that people pay for my Patreon or, or pay for, or participate and take part of the podcast there. They're ultimately paying for me, right. They're interested in me and my take my personality, right. That's, that's what we're giving them because they can certainly listen to people talk about transformers or, or whatever, anywhere else. Um, Maybe that content is better reserved for a paid platform where I know, look, I have 25 yeah. or 20 or so people on Patreon, right? Is that worthwhile for me to know at least they're paying for content and I know I can reach them directly if I had a Patreon you know, on Patreon or if I did Substack or something along those lines where yeah, yeah. where everything that that is worth the that has a direct return from the effort mm-hmm. um, gets to who wants to see it. And, you know, so the numbers aren't there, right? I'm not doing the, you know, even for you, like, for whatever, like 100 views on, uh, on 100 listens on the podcasting platform versus the 20, 20, 25 or so on Patreon. Like, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, that I'm, I'm hitting at least, I know the 20, 25, 20, 25 people on Patreon got it. Like, they can choose to ignore it. They can, I, sure. I, but at least I know that it got to them. Whereas on mm-hmm. social, I don't know if it got to them. Interesting. Well, and and I, I think that's that's the theme that we keep kind of rattling the saber about is is connection. And I think, not to put words in your mouth, but to put 
words in my mouth, I suppose. It's like, that's, that's what we're looking for more, more than say like, you know, fame or notoriety or recognition or whatever is, is connection. I, I've, uh, you know, uh, quality over quantity. Like I don't, I don't need like a giant follower count, but like, and, and again, I keep using the example of the, uh, small, but passionate audience we've cultivated for two mics, two furious. It's like the, like the, I could rely on like the same three people to comment on every episode and, and passionately interact with us and the, and the things that they say, I know they're paying attention to it also. That that's the other thing. And it's like, it's like you, you, you really want to flatter me. Talk, talk about something random. I said over my shoulder and saying that, that, that resonated with you. That's, that's the thing that really gets me like, like the, the, the fuzzies. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, that that's, that's real true connection. And I think that's the thing that, that we as content creators crave more than anything. So I think that's about all I have to say about <laughs> that in a, and Forrest Gump style. I yes. mean, I I'm, I'm sure there there's more that we could uh, um, legislate at different times, but you know, with the, with time zones and times and times of day, it's it's going to be, it's going to be daytime by, by the time <laughs> I let you go. So, so this is probably about as good a point to uh, cut it as any, but um, I before- can do the, uh, I can do the bonus if you want. I mean, I think it's the last thing that you had on, on the, we can, we can do that. Oh, I, oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, uh, very briefly, I, yeah. I was recently on, um, Autopod Decepticast along with, my the other furious Mike and um i i was just there to basically talk about the the soundwave blaster fight and ended up being roped into a larger conversation about kind of like the whole of uh of headmasters and the thing that i realized into this conversation like um like so michael andrews is a is a huge ultra magnus guy um I don't think he knew that Ultra Magnus dies despite their besides that being the name of the episode and stuff. So I, I found myself in a weird uh, position of like, I think I knew more about the headmasters than anybody else because of Transformers University's coverage. Like, you know, like a lot of like, you know, the, the memes and the, the audio callbacks and stuff like that. But, but I, I hadn't done the prep to like have all of it. I'm just like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of like old timey memes for like, cause I kind of talked about the dichotomy between like, oh, well, you know, all of us, you know, we're relatively young in this fandom and, you know, it like doing content creation for the fandom. I'm like, so I start like dropping names and stuff and, and I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, all these folks, you know, have this depth of connection with like, you know, the Omni dubs and, and all of that stuff that folks in my generation either haven't interacted with or just don't have the connection to. So, so I wrote in our, in my notes, I was like, you know, um, seeing as how you've finished the headmasters uh, recently, I, I was wondering if you could give us some, like, I don't know, uh, kind of not just final thoughts, but also kind of for how do I want to put it? I keep trying to avoid Grandpa Simpson with the onion on his belt, with which was the style at the time. And it'll happen to you. You know what I I thought was it isn't it, and and what 
is it now is weird and, and strange. It was <laughs> weird and scary. That's what it was. But anyway, it's like, so I, I had mentioned, I said something about uh, old memes and I, I think I'm misusing the term meme because like, I, I think even like quotes and like bits of audio, that's still kind of like meme culture. But Aaron was like, oh yeah, if you have any of those memes, send them to me. And I'm like, no, th not those kinds of memes. Like, like it's just like quotes and stuff. But anyway, I just, uh, I, I, I was wondering before we close out uh, final thoughts on headmasters and maybe some of those uh, old memes for, for old fans or whatever. I'm going to sure. shut up. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, first off, I, it's funny because I haven't finished Headmasters yet. It really feels like I should have finished Headmasters oh. on the show yet. Um, the show is very much a slog. Um, I just I actually I'm, I'm, I've already got the research for the next three episodes, the next episode of uh, University, which covers three more episodes of Headmasters. And I'm like, I still have a little bit more to go of whatever aired in 1988. And they're mm. on the like, final like story arc. Um but yeah, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh my god, the show. Even the dub aside of the show. So forget that the because I like the dub because it's terrible, and that's mm -hmm. usually why most people like the dub because because it's so bad. Um, the dub aside, uh, it, it might be I, I wouldn't I like it's in the top three of worst Transformers series of all time, um, at least for me, because it, it's just the pacing is so bad. Uh, it's so slow. Uh, even when cool stuff happens, it's like it took so long to get there that it's not nearly as as fun or interesting. Um, and I and I would say like the only two shows that are worse than that for me are Energon, um, which I bailed after seven episodes and have never gone back to watch. Um, which is a great toy line, by the way. Uh, don't let the show reflect on the toy line. The toy line's amazing. Um, but Energon and the Machinima series, uh, which mm. which I also bailed on at some never finished. Uh, I finished the first season and never finished the second season. Um, and I don't even think I watched the third season. So, yeah, those two. So it's like after those two. <laughs> so um, it's it's and the I, you know, the animation style is is it's G1, but it's not. It's more anime than G1. And then I don't know, for some reason, anime puts me to sleep. In, in and that's not like to say it's boring it's just something yeah. about it hits my eyes in a way that just makes me want to take a nap um so long story short yeah, yeah there's there's all there's some good in the series there's some interesting things and concepts but overall it's it's a tough watch it's a it's a very slow watch and uh but to the memes portion so there the dub is so bad um so that it was dubbed in the early 90s uh by a company in, in Singapore called Omni Productions and mm -hmm. uh, uh, run by uh, a British expat uh, and and his wife and some other uh, uh, expat Brits. And so they hired like maybe four voice actors total. <laughs> and, and so the, like the, 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 uh, what I've read everything about the company is uh, the, the job was to get, get the job done fast and cheap. And <laughs> right. so the translation tends to go that way. Uh, characters are not called what they're supposed to be called. Um, sometimes things really do get lost in translation. Um, like um, 
that it's, yeah, the names don't always get translated correctly. So it becomes silly for its own sake. Right. Uh, things like, you know, characters with face masks, uh, they tend to voice them over by putting their hand over their mouth. Uh, so, like, so like you hear, like you can just hear that the guy's hand is over his mouth when he's trying to voice, you know, six shot or whoever. Right. Um, there's a lot of great memes in there. Like six shot introduces himself as the ninja consultant. Um, and then there's one episode in particular, and uh, it, it's one that we we uh, someone introduced to me at a party at Bacon back in in the late '90s. Um, uh, so yes, shout out to to Jen from Stasis Pod Podcast, uh, who uh, had introduced all of us to it. She had this on uh, on a videotape uh, back then, and uh, it, it's called uh, the name of the episode is called "I Risk." In the actual name of the episode, if you have the DVD, is called "I Risk My Life for Earth." And on um, on the dub, it's called "Life Can Be Sacrificed for Peace on Earth," um, and it involves uh, the headmasters and fortress ma- And there's just a lot of quotable things in there that just do not really um, sound right out of context. Um, some have vague sexual connotations to them. Some are just weird. Wheelie is very goth and angry. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, there's a line in there where because like. Spike gets a very uh, gravely injured and Daniel is crying and Spike gives him this speech about how that uh, uh, it's not okay to cry. Men don't cry. Uh, boys don't, boys can cry, but only like, I forget the exact line, but if you go to the Wikipedia page for it, I guarantee you uh, the quote is there. Uh, so, um, oh yeah, I, I I've got it here yeah. actually. So uh so yeah, so Sparkle says uh it was Sparkle Spike. Is Spike. It, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean by amateur name translations. Meanwhile, Sparkle. Father, father Benny, I'm proud of you, my son. You show me how strong you are. Father Danny, listen. If anything ever happens to me, you'll have to be strong, you hear? Father You'll be okay, I'm sure. You'll have to be strong. For me, mother, and people on Earth, you'll fight the Decepticons. Okay? Mother! Danny, boys can cry, but not out loud. Men don't cry. They only get stronger. Father! Come on now. Brave men don't cry, you know. I'm not crying. I won't cry. I won't. I promise I'll be strong, Father. Don't. Don't. Father, how do you feel, Mother? I'm all right. I won't die that easily. Father, please hold on, Father. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and shout out to our friends at, at uh, TF Wiki for for. Uh, uh, oh no! See now, now, now I'm stuck reading it. Yes. Fort, Fortress Maximus has come himself. Okay, then I shall get Fortress Maximus to fight me. <laughs> Scorponok does not know what he's saying. Yes, I I will say dig up that one episode, watch that one. Yeah, uh, have a few have a few um, uh, screwballs and coke. Uh, sure, and just sit back and enjoy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, very good. Well, uh, well, I appreciate the insight on that. I I knew there was there was that one episode that was particularly iconic. So much so that you did an entire episode just on that one episode where you told that old botcon story. Yeah, and, and I was uh, trying to get it to land on like a weird number and uh, like on a, an important number like one twenty five or one fifty, but I couldn't I sure. couldn't get the math to line up. Yeah, but yeah, it's that important of a, a silly episode that I felt like it deserved its own own episode. And in fact, uh, 
just bring this back to Radio Free Cybertron. Brian sure. had a podcast he was doing a while called What Happened to the Headmasters? And it was an episode by episode review of the Omni Dubs. And he didn't get that far into it. But there was a, I, was it, I think it's Shardacon or one of the TFCons. He had a viewing and just recorded the room and everyone's reaction oh, to nice. this one. Like, and he had a bunch of people in, in a hotel room watching this all at once. And uh, uh, so he did a mass viewing of it. And I'm pretty sure it's available up on their website. So it's another another good listen as well for that episode. Oh, that's awesome. I got to dig that up and throw it in the show notes and and watch it for myself because that that sounds incredible. Um, all right, my friend. Well, before uh, before we uh, both respectively turn into pumpkins, um, what's uh, wh- what's going on with tfu.info, the uh, the 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 toy archive, the the website, the YouTube channel, the social medias? What's uh, what's new and exciting? Oh boy! Uh, fortunately, for for time's sake, there's not a lot new and exciting. <laughs> um, I'm I'm working on an episode right now for for Transformers University. I'll probably record um, this week. Uh, my uh, it's a good time to be a Transformers uh, fan uh, 2024 because I feel like yeah. I feel like we can use that a little bit. And I, I, I feel like I could use that a little bit because I have to, mm-hmm. you know, just re-understand my place and, and you know, what what the brand brings uh, to me and to to people. So I feel like th- those episodes will be coming out soon. Uh, of course, I'm I'm always I'm still on Twitter um x or whatever you want whatever we've landed on calling it uh as as uh you know as the 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 ship continues to sink i'll probably still be there uh at tfu underscore info i'm also on blue sky which i try to use a little more um but i haven't really gotten into a good rhythm there but there is a there is a nice burgeoning transformers community there um and then i'm also on uh, instagram threads facebook uh you can find you find tfu.info uh pretty much everywhere plus on the web at www.tfu.info the world's longest transforming toy archive very good well again like i said at the uh at the very beginning of this conversation it, it is a time for counting blessings and i am incredibly uh grateful and thankful for your friendship all of, over these uh um last at this point i could say several years which is uh uh, which is a thing in and of itself. But now, um, uh, thank you for being my friend, buddy. I, I really appreciate you. Ah, it's uh, same here. It's it's been fun. <laughs> All right, with it, with that, let's uh, let's get the hell out of here. And that's going to wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us. If you want to listen to Mike Seibert Radio, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts for now until like April or something. Uh, Spotify, tune in or wherever the hell else you listen to your podcast. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For my guest, the one and only Anthony Percali, TFU.info. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, till all are one, make good choices. See ya. Mike Seibert Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, including her groovy new single, Habitable Planets. Check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme is a nice place to visit by these young fools, used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, bytormusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He's at GoGoAndyRobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group 
And you can follow me on social media at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out my YouTube channel for even more videos and subscribe so you never miss a show. Want to be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. Like I was going to say something else that that was pithy and and glib. I did have one other Kevin Smith reference I didn't get to. (laughs) Oh, good. Talk about like seeing people curse that like you're not expecting to see curse. Did you saw? Did you see Red State? Yeah. Okay. So they're one of the one of the people one of the the, one of the actresses that's uh, part of the cult. Mm -hmm. Um, is Lady Aberlane from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? Oh, and she yells "Die MFR" at one point. In the, in yeah, the movie. <laughs> like she put her in there just to make that, just get her to just, say that. Just, to, just to make <laughs> her say that. That that does not that does not surprise me. Um, I, I remembered something I was I was going to say earlier. Uh, with uh with regards to you know, uh, I I in my new car I have a Sirius XM, so I've been I've been dipping in on uh on Howard Stern. And obviously he's been on satellite for uh, 15, 17 years at this point, almost long. Uh, Yeah. Like 17 years. Um, It still sounds weird to hear him swear and to hear, and all of his casting, like, like to hear Robin swear. It just, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't click right with me. I'm just like, now granted it's because I haven't really listened to Howard Stern regularly for just as many years, but still, it's like, cause like I'll, I'll hear like, you know, clips or see something. So I've been like exposed to it, but to actually like hear it in my car, like during commute time, I'm like, this isn't right. This, this feels weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, when I first got it, I first car I had that had XM in it. Um, I had that same feeling with Opie and Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. And part of it, I was like, this show I almost was like, this show isn't as funny as it used to be because yeah. being on terrestrial radio, they had to come up with terms that got them around like to say the thing they wanted to say without actually cursing or saying the vulgar thing so they had terminology and and inside words for everything that they wanted to talk about that they couldn't you know without the fcc you know uh violating fcc rules so that made the show funnier and going and hearing them curse on 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 the radio on xm was like oh this isn't as funny as it used to be. It's not as appealing when you're trying to skirt the rule versus when when the, there's no longer a rule in place. So um, I don't know where where this fits in our conversation, but, but no, it was it point. was just ra- it was a random thing that uh, that, that, that just kind of bubbled and popped into my head. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's right. That the the Howard Stern thing I I wanted to mention.